0: On this episode of the Advanced Foundations Podcast, Free Indeed is a journey to wholeness and healing as you walk in the victory of all Christ paid for at the cross. Now, what I want to talk about in this, um, this session, beginning at 47, I want to talk about some of, I call these patterns of behavior that we really don't have to have in understanding how they operate. Uh, disobedience. That should be self-explanatory. Galatians 5, 19 through 21 says the works of the flesh are evident. There are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just I've also told you in times past that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, there's a lot of things in that list. Uh, that's, that's one of those, it's all comprehensive. But the point is, is that, uh, again, it's talking about, you know this is, these are patterns of behavior. If you see those over and over and over again in your life, more than likely, you're going to find that there's a demonic spirit assigned to those works of the flesh that will activate those areas in your life. And again, everything's not a demon, but there are spirits assigned to each of those that try to help you move that along. And we'll look at that some more in detail. The word sorcery in its passage is actually the word where we get a pharmacy, pharmakeia, uh, which tells us that, that even taking prescription drugs, you've got to be careful with the reality that sometimes that opens the door to the enemy. Now, I'm not against medicine, so please don't hear me. <laughs> I'm not against anything that medical profession can do. I thank God for what they can do. All I'm by pointing out to you is that you just need to be aware of these things, not scared, but aware. So sometimes we open the door that we don't even realize. Um, and so just that's one of those things that's listed in that, in that scripture. The next one here is dishonor and rebellion. I've been through, I can't tell how many kinds of personal ministry. Uh, early days, it was deliverance ministry, and everything was a demon. And went through getting demons cast out all the time, and then, and then you realize that everything wasn't a demon. Then you go through. We went through seasons of inner healing, and training for inner healing, and then you realize that everything was not totally inner healing. And then you've gone through. I've gone through. If you if anything that's been out there for a length of time, I've probably been through it, or been through the training, or read through their materials, or been through some of the personal ministry. And the reason is because I wanted to learn as much as I could to help others get free. Uh, And I just figured, start with me. Start here. Again, I can't give away what I don't have, but if I get something, I can give it away. So I've gone through all kinds of things, but but every ministry that I've ever been a part of always goes back to this. Tell me about your relationship with your parents. It always begins there. Why? It's because of this passage in Ephesians. It says, "Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right." Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. So because everything begins with that, that relationship with parents, uh, it directs everything. How we relate to parents really dictates how our life works. And so ask people, how's your life going? How's it going? And I, people come in to—usually uh, when we do ministry— You know, tell me about your relationship with your parents. And I say, well, you know, hate my father. Or, you know, I didn't know my mother. I have no relationship with either one. And uh, how's that working? Not so good. Because of what God has wired us into families. And again, we don't have to be, you know, I realize there's some really difficult situations, but at the same time, our dishonoring and rebelling against parents affects us and you say but you don't understand what they did and how they hurt and abused me and i realize that there's some very very difficult situations but the point is is that we've got to realize that it still opens the door to patterns of behavior in us that are not good so we really got to go back and say god forgive me for dishonoring my parents what happens in the home establishes us at the next area understanding spiritual authority on the next page See, being under proper spiritual authority is a place of safety and protection. It's not about getting under somebody. It's not about somebody lording over somebody else. It's an understanding that, that authority is a spiritual thing that when you understand what it is, it you look for it. You want to be under authority. So the problem with rebelling in the home life and when you've had problems in home is that one of the primary functions of the family unit is to, obviously, to nurture children so they can grow up and they can be Christ-like. If there were, really, a family is a discipling unit. But the point is, is that they have, you've got to learn authority. Authority is for our protection. And I've said that, and I'll say it again. Because what happens is, if we don't understand authority in the home, then you'll have a hard time understanding authority in School. If you don't understand authority in school, you have a hard time understanding it anywhere that you go. Everything operates by authority. So the home has authority, school has authority, military has authority, the police are in authority. I mean, your boss is authority. No matter where you go, you're going to run into authority. And if you see authority as something that's bad, you're always going to have a problem. Because authority is not bad, authority is good. Understanding authority, you will look for authority. Watch Nee says, when you understand authority, you'll look for authority to always try to be under authority, properly fitted. And so when you fully understand authority, you don't really want to be in authority because it's, it's the responsibility. But understanding authority is huge. Matthew 8, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, A centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. I say to this one, go, and he goes. To another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed us, Surely I say to you, I've not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Amazing passage. Why he says this? Because it takes faith to recognize authority and to be under authority, properly placed under authority. And so when you understand it, it's a gift. It's not a burden. So the centurion means he was a Roman soldier, he had 100 soldiers under him, and so basically what he's saying is he, he obviously had seen Jesus commanding diseases and demons, and they obeyed him, so he looks over there. He goes, I don't know that he knew what kind of authority Jesus is under. He recognized authority He recognized because he said, I'm a man under authority. I'm under those that are above me. And because I'm properly submitted to those above me, then I tell those below me to do something and they do it. So he says, I I saw that. I, you just tell diseases to go and you tell people to get healed and they just get healed. So you just speak the word. You don't need to come over here. Jesus is going, wow. I've not seen this faith in all of Israel because it takes faith to really understand authority and to, be submitted to authority. The reason I mention this, and it's in here is because it's so important to recognize that if we've if we need to recognize how important it is to be in relationship, again, it's not about getting under somebody. Please hear me. It's about acknowledging the reality of what authority is and understanding that it's for our protection. It's like I said, uh, about a number of the things we're talking about. We're not talking about trying to behavior or change behavior, per se. Humility, for example. It's not acting a certain way. It's a heart attitude. It's an attitude of submission and recognizing that, okay, Lord, I submit to you. I, I submit to those in authority. And understanding that, it's, again, it's not making you less It's not making you like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to act like I'm this little thing I can't think. No, it's not that at all. It's understanding that this is a gift for our protection. So recognizing you honor the position, you may say, well, that person is not worthy to be honored. Well, but if that position is, then you've got to recognize and understand that. So it's it's, it's not a simplistic deal. That's why I'm sharing it here. You need to pray and ask God to, to show you. Uh. On page 50, I have a prayer there, but I think it's important for us to, to really ask God to forgive us for disobedience and dishonoring our parents and really repent of that and the same thing with dishonoring any and all authority because it's amazing. You know, you'll say, well, what about illegitimate authority? People always ask me about that. What about bad authority? Well, in the scripture, I read a story about a man named Samuel, and he was given to Eli, who was a, a not good priest. And he honored Eli, and it says, Samuel, God did not let any of his words fall to the ground without accomplishing them, and nobody else he said that about. So, see, it's not so much the issue of the authority of how, if that person's good authority or bad authority, it's an attitude toward authority. You hear what I'm saying? So it's not so much about whether it's a good person or a bad person understanding that position. So next one is anger and unforgiveness. Um, Getting angry is not necessarily sin, but it can certainly lead to that. Anger is an emotion that needs to be handled properly. If not, it will lead to unforgiveness. Ephesians 4, 26 through 27 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath nor give place to the devil. Uh, I wasn't an angry person. Uh, my personality was pretty much the same. I had a demon, and it was a demonic spirit that would activate just, I, I you know, they said, did you have a short fuse? No, had no fuse at all. It was in, instant detonation. <laughs> I mean, it was, and I would fly apart. And, um, you know, and, and immediately it would be over, and uh, it'd be normal. If anybody spiritual had ever been around me they would have known right off. That's a demonic spirit. So I'm not talking about anger. What I'm talking about in this particular one is anger builds. And I've been around people that are angry, and their cup is full. When you think about this this bottle right here, it is about as full as you can get it. And that's what happens to us a lot of times when we don't handle anger properly. It's so full, little drop or two in there, and you, pfft, blows up. You wonder why are they always, why are they always blowing up? Why are they always, you get upset and get angry? Their cup's full. They've not dealt with anger properly. They've not dealt with the unforgivenesses, and they're harboring it, and it's just, it just builds up. Because I'll tell you, if this cup is empty, if it's empty, you can pour a lot of stuff in there and a lot of things will go in there, and it won't cause it to explode. So, when, But I'm talking here about the anger issue of having to deal with it. It's the Greek word there, give place is a word, actually it's topo, where we get the word topographic maps. It means to give legal ground. And so it if, says if, if be angry and sin not. So getting angry is not necessarily sin. It's what you do with that anger that turns into sin or not. So if you, I mean, when, if somebody hurts you, you get upset, you know, but, but if you choose to forgive them and release them, you, you're not going to have that anger build up. You're not going to hold that unforgiveness, and it's not going to cause you all kinds of problems. And so it's very, very important to recognize that. But the unresolved anger is really a problem, and it's a problem in this life. The road rage, what is that about? Seriously. You know, and I mean, there's some people that, I mean, they'll kill you. Uh, What is that about? It's anger and rage that's not been handled properly, and just a little thing will set them off. Now, again, there's probably demonic spirits involved in that also. But if you don't handle this anger, turn to the next page there, what's going to happen is you're going to do one of two things. It's either going to, you're going to explode or you're going to implode. Because it's going to cause an effect, and it's going to either have you—it's uh, going to cause depression if you keep it in, or it's going to cause an explosion, and it turns outward. A lot of times, where these come from, or basically, I, I wrote down here, unfulfilled expectations. Uh, unfulfilled expectations, period, can kill you. I thought you were going to do this and I expected you to do this. Well, that right there is just step right off into a mud puddle because most people will never do what you expect them to do. They'll never, they won't, oh, I thought you'd do this. I thought we'd do this, and I thought it'd be this way. Right there, you begin, that's the road stepping down to getting upset and having those unfulfilled expectations when you got to realize our our expectations got to be in God, not in what man does or man doesn't do. The other issue is sometimes people with a real strong sense of justice will really have a hard time. You know, they everything's black and white. That's wrong, and it's just wrong. Well, it may be, but you still have to have grace and mercy to extend it and not <clears throat> holding on to it. But I mean, if you have a real strong sense of justice, people say, it's just not right. I go, probably right. You're You're probably right. It's not. You still have to forgive and still walk in love. See what I'm saying? It, it just doesn't matter. I'm sorry. You know, they go, well, it's still not right. Well, okay, I, I agree. It's not right, you know. <laughs> you still have to forgive. Handling this is really an important issue. And again, Matthew 544 is a key scripture. Love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. So that's that's the point there. We've talked about unforgiveness. Judgments and intervals. This is another issue that a lot of times we're not even aware of. Um, Hebrews 12, 14 through 15 says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness with which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springs up, causes trouble. And by this, many become defiled. Matthew 7, 1 through 2, Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you'll be judged, and with the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. That's a scary verse. You know, what he's basically saying is, look, I'm going to give to you. You determine your own judgment. The standard that you hold against everyone else, that's a standard I'll use against you. You You, too, you want to be gracious and loving and forgiving? That, that's how I'll be to you. But if you want to be judgmental and critical, and and hold anger and unforgiveness toward people. That's what you're going to be meted back. I, I didn't have it in here, but the Luke six says, you know, it says, uh, give it to be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, and shaken together, be poured over in your bosom with the same measure that you used it to be measured back to you. The preceding verses are about forgiveness. Don't condemn. Show mercy. I mean, that that's what it's talking about. Don't judge. Next page there says Romans. In Romans 2, 1 through 3, therefore you're an excusable old man, whoever you are, who judge. For whenever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. So the point is here is that we just got to recognize that judging, and again, you know, the people will say, But wait a minute, aren't you supposed to are we supposed to judge, supposed to judge fruit, but we don't judge people? And what we end up doing is going, you know, that person is a sorry person. Uh, that's judging. That person is a this, or this. That's judging. What God wants us to do is reckon, we can judge fruit. That, that behavior is not very good. But God doesn't condemn and he doesn't judge people. He forgives us. He loves us. And so inner vows are, are something that, again, we talked about opens the door. For, we open the door ourselves. The enemy tries to get us to speak curses over ourselves. Examples here, I will never be like my parents. I'll never treat my children the way my parents treated me. I won't trust anyone ever again. I can't be poor. I'll never drink or smoke like my parents did. Those are inner vows and judgments that we make against ourselves. And a lot of times we lock ourselves into patterns of behavior that it's like, wow, I hated that in my parents. I hated that when I saw that. And now here I am doing that even more so. When, if you've ever seen that, if you've ever seen behavior in your life that's a pattern after your family, you've got to recognize that is that's because there's been a judgment made, and you've actually pronounced that over yourself so you can you can need to pray and ask God to break that anything you said, I will never it's more than likely a judgment's been made and a lot of times you again if, if you've made a judgment, you'll either do worse. You know, or sometimes you, you can go the opposite way, goes so far the other way that you'll never do anything like that, but still, it's, it's from a judgment. So you just ask the Lord to show you. Again, nearly everything we're talking about here, if you'll ask the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, I really want to know have I made judgments? Have I, have I pronounced intervals over myself that are basically judgments? Have I, have I cursed myself? You know, has someone done that to me? Or there's people that I need to forgive and let let go of that anger. He'll show you. Remember, he comes to set us free. He loves us. Uh, the issue about the occult should be pretty obvious at the bottom of page 52, uh, in kind of in time of witchcraft, sorcery, and divination. But what I want to point out is just briefly here is that you do realize that there is a huge onslaught against us. It's so interesting. We hardly believe in demons, but we've got all these demonic movies and all these demonic games out there. And, uh, and it's just the enemy is trying to desynthesize us to his activity. So he's training up our kids in literally demonic activity. I mean, the, the Pokemon, the, uh, all the Harry Potter stuff. He's all, that's just innocent, fun things. It's demonic. Now, would that cause everybody a problem to watch it? No, probably not. But you've got to realize the enemy is continually trying to erode away and trying to get little little stuff into us and into our children. You watch those watch even the movies and watch all kinds of stuff. I mean, just gradually trying to get that so that we begin to sort of accept the reality of evil. And we accept that, well, it's just sort of the way it is and that's, that's white magic and it's not really bad, it's sort of, no, demonic. It's as subtle as can be, but the enemy is constantly trying to get you or your children connected into where it's sort of an acceptable thing. Why? So he has access to us. That's all he's trying to do. Remember, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So don't run home and start yelling screaming at your kids. And tell them they're not supposed to watch all these <laughs> movies and stuff. But just be aware of that. We, we, I mean, it's amazing how we should be the most informed and, and have more wisdom than anybody because we have the spirit of the living God living in us. I mean, we shouldn't be the ones going, really? I didn't know that. I mean, come on. We've got, we've got God living in us, We're the creator of the universe. We should be the ones making up, dreaming up, coming up with all the things but we should also be spiritually aware of any kind of demonic activity. Next page, spiritual house cleaning. Uh, again, this is just something that you can read this, but you need to pray over your home. You need to pray over your apartment. You need to pray over your things. You need, And how you do this is real simple. You walk in to a place and immediately you just ask the Holy Spirit to come. And you, just, you just, in the spirit, you're gonna immediately start picking things up have you walked into a store before and everything in you just go? <clears throat> that's the spirit. Have you walked into a place and go, "Wow, oh, this is cool. This feels really good." That's the spirit. Learn how to tune in to the Holy Spirit all the time, and so begin to look at you know just look at your stuff at home, look at your activities. We had a we did we did a, going into people's homes and praying over things and and uh, antiques and all kinds of things, gifts that are given sometimes <clears throat> open the door to the enemy. And say, that's just weird. Well, again, read scripture and will see what those relics and stuff, a lot of times are that we end up with are really open doors to the enemy. But well, we went into a, a friend called and said, their daughter could not sleep and she has nightmares. So he said, we've prayed over her. We don't know what the problem is. We went over there and we just prayed in the room. It's like nothing really major. And there was like a book. And there was a book on the shelf and got this book off and said, You know, there's something not right with this book. I don't even know what it was. Let's so just, I mean, these are little, little kids. Something not right about this book. Just take it, chunk it, burn it, get rid of it. And sure enough, able to sleep. So a lot of things that go on, we just accept. We don't even realize, you know, well, it was a gift from somebody. I inherited it from somebody. Well, okay. Is it, is it causing a problem? Get rid of it. You know, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter where it came from. Doesn't matter whose it was. The real issue is, is that, wait a minute, I don't, I don't want to let anything in that's going to cause a problem. And, and it's going to be, cause there to be an unrest or an uneasiness in your home or your apartment. If you travel, when you go into a hotel room, bring the presence of God in and tell every evil spirit to get out. Because ask God to forgive anything that was done in there that was not according to to Him. The next page soul ties. Soul tie is an emotional connection that you have with someone, and that could be lots of different things. Likewise, soul tie. What you do there is you ask the Lord to show you if there's if you have a soul tie with someone, and then if it's you know if it's a, not a good soul tie, you ask God to cut that off and to sever it and to eliminate that connection and so that's what God doesn't want us illegitimately connected somewhere other than husbands and wives and parents and children and things like that but even in that I think the term would be used psychology wise as a codependent relationship sometimes we can get into relationships that are not healthy because we, we need somebody else. We don't need anybody but God. And so I don't need anybody. God wants me to be connected properly you know, to, to one another, but at the same time, I need him. So my source of life is him, not someone else. And, and I live based upon how somebody else is de- doing, because that gets out of order. So what I want, I just put these in here because these are some of the things that stand out that you can get free of real quick, and and these are issues that once you understand how they operate, wow, you can really just you can go wait a minute, I don't have to have that, I don't have to think like that, I don't have to I don't have to be like that, and so I want to close in prayer, and again, that's why we put this in manual form for you to go back, read, pray, look through here. I mean, you may look at some of that and go, that doesn't bother, that doesn't affect me at all. Ask the Lord, ask him to show you. Well, Father, we love you and bless you. We thank you for freedom. We thank you that you paid with your life, shed your blood so that we could be free. I thank you, Lord, that you have given to us life, an abundant life. I thank you, Lord, that you literally took all of our sin, our sickness, all of our stuff on the cross, you took our shame so we could be free. And Lord, we love you. We bless you. We thank you. Show us areas that, Lord, that we've either opened the door or we've allowed something in that's not from you. We love you, Lord. We bless you. And we just thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this timely message. Pastor Terry and Susan Moore had a life-changing encounter with the Lord in August of 1982. They opened their home to a Bible study, which turned into a church now located in Carrollton, Texas. They have never been the same and hope that you encounter Christ in a real way. For more, connect to jterrymore.org.